Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast. My name is Travis Wyckoff. I am the host, and I'm also the founder of Kingdom Coaching, my consulting business where I partner with the leaders to help them be their very best. This is part two of my conversation with Billy Allen. Billy is a professional beach volleyball player. And Billy also coaches. This conversation centers around his outstanding book titled The Inner Night, Train and Compete Like a Champion. This, in my opinion, is a must read for coaches. Billy uses a story about a night to teach principles that can help you train your athletes to compete at a higher level. So without further ado, my conversation with Billy Allen. Three feet. Three foot world, four. yeah. Explain that. Yeah, so this is, I mean, if there's any message you want to give a player, it's probably like control what you can control, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many things outside of your control. And if that sucks your energy or your focus, um, you know, it's really hard to have stuff left for the stuff you can actually um, influence. And so in the story, you know, Gowan gives her this, tells her the story of this guy climbing this mountain. And we had heard the story from uh, CC craft on our podcast. Um, so everything we kind of took from our coach, your brains out podcast and from our own careers and kind of rerouted it into this story about a night, but in the story, you know, the mountain climber is stuck on the mountain and he's overwhelmed and he's up way too high. He's afraid of the ground. He's afraid of what to do on his next touch. It looks, uh, insurmountable to like continue. And he just focuses on like that next climb and just controlling the three feet of space around him. And, you know, you can, from there, if you keep doing that over and over, you can climb a whole mountain that way. And the idea is as a player, there's the, there's the umpire, there's the fans, there's my coach, there's all kinds of things outside of my three feet of space that I can't control. But, you know, like if I can just stick to this, you know, how far my arms stretch out, basically this three foot world and just you know, win everything inside of that, whether it's, um, you know, like your mental side, whether it's, you know, your, your stretching, your warm up, you know, whatever it is, just like, that's what you can control. And I think that three feet, you know, maybe in a team sport that becomes a little bigger because, you know, you and your, maybe it's connecting with your teammate, but again, it's just focusing on the small things you can control right now. And in the story, I think it also highlights, um, you know, the moment too, in time as well as distance. So like maybe you have a big tournament on the horizon, but, and you can't do anything about that now, but like this practice, this moment right now, you can get better in this drill and that will pay dividends in the future. Yeah. And so to dovetail off that back to chapter one, um, the, 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 you wrote head and feet in the same place, very much similar, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the keys to ultimate performance is being present and being there and fully engaged And, um, you know, you find that when athletes are in flow state, right. They just, they're just completely immersed in what they're doing. And that's when we, we play our best and that can be practiced outside of, you know, the sport, right. If you're washing the dishes, if you're doing whatever, if you can just, you know, it's a meditation practice, it's a mindfulness practice. If you can be, just be fully focused and have your head exactly where your feet are and not be drifting and distracted. Um, yeah, that's all, those are all game reps for when you're actually in the moment and you're up to bat and your mind wants to go a thousand other places, but to perform your best, you're going to be concentrated on that next pitch. So give me a picture of Billy Allen and how he trains because you're still playing, you're still competing. Mm. What, what are the things you're doing? So your 
you're controlling the three foot world and you're being present in the moment. What are some things you do? Yeah. Um, well, while we're on the, like the, I guess the meditation side, um, I've been doing some mindfulness practices the last couple of years with Peter Haberl, who is our, um, U S Olympic committee, one of our sports psychologists. Um, and, and a simple one would be just as far as, um, that is we do this one called just sitting where, you know, you're, you're sitting down and all you're focusing on is just that is you repeat, just sitting, just sitting. And I kind of use it for volleyball. I just say, just playing. And so it's a practice you have, like whatever you're doing that moment, that's what you're doing. So when I'm playing and my mind starts to get, starts to wander, I start to worry, I start to judge. I just remind myself, Hey, just playing, just playing. And that's just something I can focus on to get back to that. Um, but yeah, as far as where I am right now, I, I'm, because I'm not on the sand. Um, I can't be worried about that, but I, you know, when I'm in the gym, like this is my three foot world, I'm getting really better at that. Or if I'm watching film, like the, the, this half hour, I'm sitting at the computer here, this is my three foot world. And I'm going to put everything I have into it and get a little better doing that. And again, just like one task at a time and just commit to it and win that little task. And, you know, it adds up. Yeah. Uh, chapter 18, it's kind of tying into that. Um, they did it. You had them do an exercise where I think they, they just sat, they closed their eyes and they just commented whatever mm. they noticed. I forget exactly what Gowan yeah. said. I forget what, but it was like, uh, anxious, just close eyes closed and just being present. I love that. Um, that part about in, in the book, because I think there's something. So I actually did it as I was reading, I stopped, mm. closed my eyes and it was, um, yeah, I just remember thinking, dang, I'm not really sure how I am right now. I need to like almost check in with myself. And I did feel like, uh, I had a, a call. This was a couple nights ago. I had a call, um, that, that pumped me up and I was really excited about it. And I remember, yeah, I just thought, wow. Yeah, I guess I am excited right now. And then um, you continued on and you had Gowan ask her what could go wrong in the match and then um, what thoughts might come up that could stop you from being your best. Mm -hmm. Walk us through. I thought that was really, really powerful. That might have been my biggest like, ah, man, that could be such a great exercise for coaches to do with with players. Um, And then he and then he said. Well, yeah. Walk us through that. I'm, I, I love that part yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, what's funny is, so I've done some of the experimented with this mindfulness stuff and I've been pretty fired up on it, but it sounds to me kind of like a little woo woo, a little like, I don't know. Um, so, but working with my team this year, I incorporated just a little bit. And so for coaches out there who it might sound kind of overwhelming or might not see much buy-in from their team, I would do just like a one minute pre-practice, like mindfulness exercise where we just go around in a circle one time each, just kind of a, we call it a weather check of the mind where you check in and just, Hey, where are you at in this moment? Like what's like the dominant feeling or emotion. And if it's, you know, tired, there's no wrong answer and just check in with everybody. And, you know, sometimes it's tired, sometimes it's excited. Hopefully, you know, they're in a good mood for practice, but then it's something we can call back on in a tournament and be like, Oh, like, well, let's check in right now. And maybe there's some nerves and maybe there's some, you know, some from frustration, frustration and other stuff that comes up, but because we've kind of like done the work and practice to kind of set this up, um, you know, then they can identify it in a game. And what you do is like the first step 
is just being aware of where you're at, right? It's hard to change something if you don't know what's going on. You know, they say like name it to tame it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like as an athlete, if I'm if I'm nervous, I if I identify that, I can step back and detach and be like, oh, that's just information. That's telling me that like I'm nervous right now. And when that tends to happen, I know maybe I get tentative with my serving or something. And so from there, just because I have this feeling doesn't mean it controls me. So I can still say, hey, there's there's nervousness right now but I can choose to like serve aggressive. And again, it's kind of like there's the stimulus and there's your response. Mm-hmm. So I can aware of whatever feeling I have right now. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's natural to be nervous because it's a big moment. You care yeah. the, the outcome is uncertain. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. So that's the first thing to tell a player. Um, it's natural to have these feelings, um, but they don't need to control you. You can still choose who you want to be and how you want to be. I can still connect with a teammate, even if I feel frustrated and that kind of stuff. And for my team, um, I was surprised how much they bought in. I did it like as a trial here and there. And they kind of asked like one practice, like, aren't we going to do the the one minute of mindfulness? And so we've been incorporating it. It's been cool to see, and we, we ramp it up. Maybe it's, you know, we go around the circle two or three times because, you know, you can kind of see how stuff changes. And as an example, we had a girl that had a flat tire and she was late to practice. And some of these girls are just learning to drive. And so she comes in and she is distraught and, um, it's, I had a, a girl went over and kind of comfort her and she started crying a little bit. And so like, we kind of stopped practice. Um, we said, Hey, let's just do, let's just check in and do a little mindfulness. Right. And her thing, she continued to be kind of like, you know, like scared or whatever she was. Um, but then she still practiced great. Like she still went hard at practice and we kind of checked in after practice and been like, this is just such a cool example of you know, this girl was, she had a really rough time. She had every reason, every excuse to be checked out at practice and she still gave it her all. And that's the, that's what it's all about is you're aware of these things, but it doesn't determine how you act. You can still like have your values and live out, live those out. Um, and so that's how we've incorporated in our team. And then, um, yeah, as far as, as far as back to the book, what was the question from, from Gowan? What did you say? He said, um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm looking here real quick. He, he, he took her through, um, let's see. So he asked what thoughts might come up that could stop you from doing your best. Yeah. I just want to make sure I answer all your question, but so that was part of it. And then Gowan does kind of like a a pre-mortem where, yeah, before the game, you kind of highlight, well, what could go wrong? It's all about preparing your athletes for these big moments. And if you never address something, um, you know, you haven't practiced it. And so he's kind of saying, well, like what could go wrong? Maybe this happens, maybe that happens and kind of almost like visualizing it or, you know, pre-playing it in your head. Cause then you could determine, well, what's your plan from there? Mm-hmm. You know, this happens, let's say you're playing baseball, you know, you're, you get some strike, whatever, some strikes right away. Like the crowd's yelling at you. There's a guy heckling you, your ex-girlfriends in the stands and whatever. Um, like, what are you going to do about it? And just to kind of like f- have the athlete fall back on the values um, that they want to live out, um, maybe helps prepare them for those moments. Cause you know, um, there are going to be challenges that come up. That's kind of inevitable, but how you respond is what you can control. And that's, what's important. Yeah. Okay. I love that. So I'm going to, this is, um, Meridian had the thought of, I don't belong here, which if you're an athlete and you've played more than 10 games, you've had, that. you've had that thought like, dang, I don't know if I'm, I, I should be here. Gowan got her just to see that it's just a thought. Like that it's not, it's, it, it's not necessarily true. It's just a thought. So he said, um, try this. I'm having the thought I don't belong here. And then, um, and then he said this, or you said this, you've lived with those two thoughts 
Gowan said at the moment. Now try this one. I I notice I'm having the thoughts I don't belong here. Again, trying to get them to separate that. And then, yeah, the, to your point, the now behave in such a don't allow those thoughts to dictate how you're about to act and behave, which is, I mean, to me, that feels like sports psychology or mental performance coaching 101. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, when I started doing like my own as an athlete, learning about this stuff and sports psychology, I thought it was going to make me just like bulletproof where I, w- I would never have any bad thoughts or bad feelings. Cause like, oh, I've done like, you know, I've meditated a few times. I, you know, or I, I have experience. I've been playing for a long time. I'm a veteran. I shouldn't have doubts. Um, but that's not the case. Like, um, you know, our minds are thought and emotion making factories, you know, they just churn out nonstop. And it's kind of like that idea of, you know, don't think of a pink elephant. It's hard just to like shut it all off and control your thoughts. But if you can say, Hey, my thoughts don't have power over my actions. Um, that's what's important. And yeah, I just, I think that, I think that's huge for athletes to learn one again is, is it's normal to have those doubts and to have imposter syndrome and to think you don't belong at whatever level. Um, but you know, two, just, again, you go back to your values and the idea of distancing something is like, again, that exercise is I have this thought. I don't belong. It's if I just say, I don't belong. I don't belong. That's what I'm thinking. It seems really close and it really hurts. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of distance it, like, yeah, I'm having this thought that I don't belong. It's, it, it's almost like a scientist looking at something and then you're able to logically evaluate it and determine what to do. It doesn't have the same power over you as this just feeling that's like welling up inside of you. And so again, it's when you can be aware and name these emotions, then you can kind of control them and decide how you act. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read this because this might be the best quote. Negative, negative thoughts will come up. You can choose to believe them and let them control you, or you can notice them for what they are, just thoughts. You choose how you will act. You decide what kind of person you're going to be. That to me was like the, probably the quote of the book uh, again, mm. because I think this is such a, um, I just think it's an issue with athletes though, the, the, the thought life just, flows out into how they act. It dictates how they act. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. We, we play nonstop judging, judging ourselves. Like our harshest coaches are usually ourselves. You know, if, if I feel like, um, as a player, people think I'm really consistent and they're like, wow, you look really calm out there. But it's like that whole idea of the duck who are under, under the surface is just kicking frantically. Yeah. I feel like if they saw a, a sneak peek into my head, they, they would not definitely not think that. Um, but you know, again, I can still like live out and just give my best no matter what you're thinking. And at the end of the day, you know, that's what you can control is your effort, your attitude, stuff like that. And so if an athlete can know what they're about and who they want to be, the kind of teammate they want to be, the kind of player they want to be, the kind of competitor they want to be, you know, win or lose, you can really succeed still. So, and be proud of yourself for, for what you gave. Yeah. Um, just kind of a side note, how long, how long did it take you to write this? Yeah, it was uh, about a year all told. This was it was a sh- the shortest book I've written, um, but I went through multiple drafts. So yeah, it took about you know maybe ten months total. Yeah, and uh, obviously these principles I think you'd mentioned a lot of them you've you've either you know coached and or from the podcast. How has writing this book helped you, or have you seen a play out of how these things like? One thing I know is when you write, it's like coaching. Like if you if you if you think you know something and you try to go coach it, you'll be amazed at how 
how you don't really know it when you try to coach it. I think mm-hmm. writing's the same way. So I'm guessing these principles have been like driven down to the core of Billy Allen. How much has it helped you? Yeah, for sure. It's just the idea of taking something from maybe a surface level understanding and, you know, really drawing it out. And, you know, I feel like these things, you know, like you said, it's, it's like sports psych 101 in a lot of ways, like we kind of know it, but to have to put it into context, create a scene and maybe rewrite it over and over where I, you know, simplify it over and over to make it understandable for an athlete just helps you understand it better. And yeah, I think to your point, like a lot of people are like, Hey, what am I an expert in? And how do I write a book about that? But if you just said, what am I interested in and how do I write a book about that? If I knew nothing about a topic, but you were forced to write a book about it, you would learn so much about that. Obviously, you know, through research, through the, just the, you know, putting your thoughts on paper. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I really think that if somebody wants to write a book, um, or even just journal or whatever, it's a great, um, learning device. Totally. Okay, I'm curious why uh, I thought this was a really powerful story about uh, Gawain and his wife and daughter um, dying. And you would you would um, kind of turn that into how he was seeking fame and fortune. So he was a I don't know what you'd call it, like a master joster mm-hmm. or yeah, um, and was was traveling and going to all these events. His 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 family. Uh, his wife and daughter died. And then why'd you put that in the book? That was, I loved it, but I'm Mm. curious. Yeah. I wanted it to be a two-sided relationship. You know, it it could be one where there's this ideal coach mentor figure that just instills all this, these lessons on this athlete. But a lot of times it is a two-way street. And I feel like he had a lot to learn um, from Meridian and he's preaching all these things about staying present. And that's like one of the things he learned, you know, the hard way is like, he didn't appreciate some of the stuff he had at the time because he was so focused on his career and stuff. Um, but, you know, Gowan has lessons to learn too. And, you know, he's like, he lost his family and he thinks it's over. And then he's not realizing that, you know, some of these relationships and some families right in front of him too. And he's so focused on his own losses and stuff that um, he, at the end of the book, he has to kind of learn to, uh, you know, you know, walk what he's you know preaching it to and i just thought i just thought he needed something to overcome too and just made it a little more well-rounded character yeah well i think what it does is i mean i don't i'm guessing uh well i know a lot of coaches that kind of kind of have that inner turmoil of man i i sought to build a program i sought to be a great coach and there was some neglect there or business people i'm sure go through it i'm sure all professions um can get in that ditch and i just thought it was again i'm thinking through a coach reading this, although it, it it didn't have a ton to do with, you know, sports psychology and coaching. It just, I, I felt like it was a, probably a pretty good, probably a pretty good, um, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Like a good reminder for coaches, mm-hmm. like, man, this chasing something's really, really great, but at what cost? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not to say you can't be excellent at your craft and right. be really dedicated, but you know, like you said, the, one of the big messages, have your head and your feet in the same space. And maybe you spend eight, 10 hours coaching and in the gym and just trying to get better. But when you're home with your family and your kids, maybe make sure you're, you kind of shut off that other side of you. And that's where you're, you're, you're fully present for your, your family. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Uh, last thing that I want to point, well, maybe the last thing, uh, surrender the outcome thought it was, you know, Again, really, really good concept, really good principle. Um, how do you implement it? What do you, yeah, give me your thoughts on the idea of surrendering the outcome. Yeah. So, 
for me, like I want to walk into a tournament knowing that I've prepared and done all the work ahead of time and I can just let it rip. And if I'm, you know, so worried on the outcome, which again, I can influence, but I can't really control. Like the other team can play amazing, um, you know, stuff can happen. Um, but if I know that I prepared and done everything I can to be ready, then I can just surrender that outcome and whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to give it my all. And for me, it's just really freeing as an athlete to know that like I can take big swings and just kind of like let the outcome go where I don't want to be so worried about, you know, every point, like, am I going to win? Am I going to lose when I'm playing? I want to just have fun and play free. And that's when I play my best. And so just, yeah, again, know what's in your control and the outcome and the score is a little bit outside of it. Yeah. So I'm starting to work on a book. I've kind of been toying around with it. I've, I've, I'm in the process of it. Um, I don't, well, now I guess I did just share that, but what was the hardest part about writing a book? What was the biggest challenge for you? Um, it's just, it's just a long grind. Um, like to, for me, just doing the drafts over and over. Um, but that's what it takes. And you have to suffer through some bad writing. And the hardest thing is you want to, you judge yourself against all the books you've read in that genre. Right. And so you have all these, like say coaching books that you've read that you meant a lot to you. And you look at your first draft and you're like, Oh man, this is, this sucks compared to that. Um, but it has to be that way. Like you have to be bad first. And then you put those words down on pages and you keep working on it and reworking. And no matter what, if you're spending time on it, um, I believe it gets better. And, uh, so yeah, I guess just be, go easy on yourself and, um, just know there's going to be some bad days, but you know, you don't have to show anybody that draft, just, just keep hitting it and making it better slowly by, you know, again, you're trying to improve, not prove yourself to be, you know, the next whoever. Yeah. Do you have another book in mind? Yeah, always. Yeah. I'm working on, so I have a, outside of this, I have uh, just a straight, um, fictional fantasy book and I have a, uh, I'm working on the third one to complete the trilogy. So I'm already started on that. And, um, yeah, got to keep, keep moving. What is, what are those about? What are the names and what are those about? Yeah. Uh, good blood was the first dark blood was the second. And this last, this last one is Royal blood. And it's just a, a fictional adventure book. It's about a society where, um, certain people have like a special blood that has healing properties and, um, they're very valuable and people want that, want that. And there's a lot of action and fighting over through the different races. It's just a, a fun story. There is some motor learning tied in with the, you know, training and sword fighting, but it's definitely on the, on the full fiction side compared to the internet. Yeah. Where'd, the, where'd this imagination, where'd this, where'd this come from? Yeah. I guess I lied when I said it was just all volleyball. Cause I also did a, I was really into um, comic books as a kid and, you know, books in college. I filmed a movie um, with my, the Northridge volleyball team and soccer team and made an action movie. And then after college, I made videos um, called kind of good. That was about this fictional character, Danny kind of, who was really bad at volleyball, but really cocky. Um, so yeah, I've always had creative projects. I mean, the podcast too is, is creative. So yeah. Um, yeah, just always been a part of my identity. I, I like reading stories and, you know, watching movies. And so I want to be a part of that. Love it. Okay. Um, I ended with three questions. The first one is what are you currently reading that's helping you grow, keeping you sharp? Yeah, we just had, uh, Dr. Jonathan Fader on our podcast. Um, and he yeah. has a book, book called motivational interviewing for sports, I believe it's called. And so that's the, uh, he, he was a great interview guest and I learned a lot through that. And so I'm diving into his book just to learn on how to communicate to our athletes better. Yeah. Love that. And r- side note, you said so, movies, what's your favorite movie? I usually don't ask this, but since yeah, you yeah. brought up movies, what is it? Uh, actually it's, oddly enough, it's Rocky. Um, just the first one. 
it's uh, as an athlete and just it's it's actually a really good movie mixed in but i mean i like all kinds of stuff yeah love it okay second question i asked what advice would you give a young person just getting into the coaching profession I would say whatever sport you're coaching, you're coaching athletes first. So again, I'm not, I'm not coaching volleyball. I'm coaching volleyball players and coaching athletes. And so, um, just really focus on having that good relationship. The, you know, you could be the best at the X's and O's and strategy, but if your players don't feel you care about them and support them, if they don't buy in, uh, you're not going to get very far. So I would just say, you know, you can learn a lot of stuff and always be learning for sure. Um, but you have to just foster that relationship with your athletes. Love it. So good. And the third one, I end with this. Um, who would you like to hear on this podcast? Talk about their journey. Um, maybe share about how they teach and coach and handle their athletes. Yeah. Who would you like to hear? Uh, the first one that comes to mind is I guess the greatest of all time of our sport, which is Karch Karai. Have you had him on the podcast? I haven't. No. So he, uh, for those of listeners that don't know, so he's just like known as the best volleyball player ever. He won two indoor gold medals. Then he went, won a beach gold medal. He's the winningest player of all time on the beach. And which is great. That's a great story in itself. But then once he retired at like, you know, 47 or whatever he was, he went to the bottom of the coaching world. He was coaching high school boys volleyball. And then he was coaching when he started coaching for the national team. I remember I had a friend that was like, Karch Karai is like our assistant, assistant coach. He's asking me for like my Jersey size and he's taking these like really low rung so cool. um, workouts, but he's just like the humblest guy and the hardest worker. And, you know, now he's like, you know, he just coached our women's national team to a gold medal and he's had success from the playing side and the coaching side. And he stays still stays so humble and he would be a great uh, one just to hear his whole journey. I love it. Well, Billy, um, I'm going to end with this. I usually don't end with this type of question, but I also don't often, um, I often don't interview guys who write books or gals who write books in the book. If there's what we talked about the big principle, trusting and training, I want to just kind of finish with this. Is there anything else that you think is really, really important to the book? Yeah. So the book it's, it is a fictional story. So we have a lot of lessons, but at the end of it, there is like a big showdown and a big tournament. And, um, what is really unique about writing a fiction book is that, you know, I could write in the character's head. It's from a first person point of view. Mm -hmm. And so instead of just saying, Oh, Hey, this is how you should, what you should do under pressure. I get to really examine like Meridian's thoughts. And I just think it's really cool to go through that process. And it's a lot. I learned, you know, I put a lot of stuff in there that I experienced and just for coaches to know how messy it is inside players' heads, um, no matter how much we prepare them, like there's crazy thoughts, there's crazy feelings, stuff goes wrong, there's doubt, there's all these things that we can't control. And so just have a little uh, patience with your players and, know, and give them some room and know that there's a lot going on and they're really struggling and it's not as easy as you coaching with a joystick. Like, hey, we practice passing, they should be good at passing. Right. Um, so yeah, I just give, give them some room and just know that what they're doing is really difficult. It's so good, so good. Um, how can people find your books? You, yeah. Where, where are you at on, on the internet, social media? Yeah. How can people connect with you? Yeah. Uh, so the book is called training. The book is called the internet train and compete like a champion. It's available on Amazon or anywhere online. You can get books. Um, I do have, um, a website called Billy catch That's K E T C H is my middle name. And that Billy catch Allen is, I guess my Twitter handle, my Instagram, all that stuff. 
um, or billycatchallen at gmail is my email. So yeah, feel free to reach out. And if you ever come to an AVP tournament, um, stop by, say hi. I'd love to chat. Yeah, love it. Dude, uh, great book. Legitimately, it was a great book. I think it's a must read for coaches. I think I mentioned to you earlier that I've sent it out multiple multiple times. Really good, well-written. Um, I think it's going to help a lot of coaches. Um, so good job there. And thanks for taking time to connect with us. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for reading.